last week, uh, I had you guys answer some questions on cards, and the questions were, uh, what dreams do you have for the future? And the second question, I think, was, what would you want said at your funeral? Then we asked the third question later on. We asked, uh, what questions would you have for God? If you could ask God a question right now, what would some of those questions be? And I was looking through um, the cards this week, and I wanted to read some of these to you because uh, some are funny. Uh, some are more serious, but some are funny, and I like funny. So I'm going to read you some funny and some serious. Uh, but here's a serious question. This person asked, uh, how can God truly love everyone? If he only chooses some people to go to heaven, but not all. Great question. Uh, someone said, if, if all people are put on earth for a reason, then what is the purpose of those who wreak havoc on the world? So what's the point of evil? Why is there evil in the world? Um, this person, as far as what, they, what dreams they have for the future, I dream to become a senior game programmer and to find love. Two things, senior game programmer and to find love. Uh, very simple. Um, so that was that person. And uh, just know that whoever is not laughing, it's probably their card. Okay. Uh, this question was, why does life have to be so hurtful and painful? That was a serious question. Why did bad things happen to good people? When will the world end? And is there life outside of Earth? Hey, it's possible. And also, is Obama the Antichrist? <laughs> I wonder if some of you aren't the Antichrist. I don't know. Uh, this person's um, their dream: go to college, get a job, have a family, be a magician, a comedian, and vice governor of Texas. I can always tell which ones are the guys and which ones are the girls based on handwriting and what the card says. Okay? How do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? That's definitely a girl card. Neat handwriting and a serious question. Okay. Uh, does everyone really get to hear about Jesus? And if not, what happens to them if they don't get the chance to be saved? Another great question. So, what's up with the dinosaurs? Were they real? And where do they fit into the picture? Okay, they were real. We have fossils. Just so you know. Uh, oh, this is a really funny one. Um, okay, if Eve hadn't eaten the apple, would we still be walking with God and living naked? Get your minds out of the gutter, people. That was a very hopeful question. Like, will we all get to be naked again one day? I guess. I don't know. Um, okay, uh, this person wants to get married to a godly Christian guy, go to school, uh, go to college, and be a successful entrepreneur for my own jewelry business, and be moderately wealthy, and also to have an amazing spiritual relationship with God. Uh, so that one, this person put their name on it. I won't tell who that person was. Um, let's see. Okay. Um, I want to get married, live on the beach, and or be a rock star. And have a job, I guess. If the rock star thing doesn't work out, I'm guessing. 
so, yeah. Probably one of the guys in the band. Um, I'd like to go to college and get a degree in physical therapy to help those who aren't able to move. And I also want to be a parent and be married. Okay. A passion of people who can't move. Okay, I want to live... You always know the girls' cards, they put their name, because they always have these very specific goals. Um, I want to live a good, healthy life as a herpetologist. I don't even know what that is. Herpetologist. And the second statement, I want people to know... N-O. I want people to know, N-O, the truth and qualities that I have. The truth is, you can't spell. Okay? Sorry. Okay, I plan to go into the military by attending a military academy. I want to go help our country fight the war. My dream is to get the Medal of Honor. In my funeral, I want to die fighting for my country. In your funeral, you want to die fighting for my country. Hmm. Or sacrificing myself for someone in danger. Okay. All we have to do to figure out who that person was is for me to throw a grenade into the room. And whoever jumps on it, that, that's the person that wrote that card. Um, this person wants to be a pro wakeboarder. Then it says, then it says whatever after that. Okay. How could God not have a beginning? How did he exist without being created? Great question that I won't answer right now. Uh, I want to go to college on an occupational therapy music minor to work with children who have disabilities using music and the gospel, married to godly man. Wow. And that I want people to know that Jesus Christ glowed through me and I lived a fulfilled life helping many, many, many touched people's hearts. There we go. Another girl card, as you can see. Another great question. The Bible says once you are saved, you can never lose your salvation, but it also says that if you disown God, He will disown you. So if a person has accepted Christ, but then in college denies his or her faith and doesn't live out his faith, will he go to heaven? Okay. So some great questions and some great, uh, some great life goals um, for you guys. But what I noticed uh, was that most of your cards, when it came to your dreams for the future, began to look the same. Everyone said pretty much the same thing. I want to have a nice house. I want to have a nice car. I want to have a nice family. I want to have good relationships. And if you ask most people what they want out of life, I think you get a very similar response. They want a good job that they enjoy. They want wife or husband, depending on whatever sex you are, and they want good kids, they want nice car, nice house, they want good friends, they want an easy, painless death. And even if they had all that, if they had all of that even without God, they think they'd still be happy. As we've been looking at this, this theme, uh, don't waste your life, we introduced a concept to you last week called God's Glory and Your Joy. We introduced the concept because this concept will go throughout this entire series. Here's the concept in a nutshell. Basically, you and I were created to glorify God. We're created to bring God glory. Now, most people think that, that we're just supposed to glorify God, and that's it. That's just all there is to that equation. But what most of us miss is that our joy is at stake in the whole process. In other words, uh, most Christians think that God gets His glory at the expense of our joy. 
they think that as Christians we're just supposed to obey, and by obeying, that we somehow forego our own joy in the process. One person said it this way. John Piper wrote a book called Don't Waste Your Life, which we're basing this whole series on this book. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. So the Christian life just isn't about just obey God and glorify Him, and that's it. It's that when you glorify Him by obeying Him, that is when your joy is made complete. That is when you find your greatest joy. And I think if you surveyed most people about the Christian faith, they don't get that. They don't have a clue that their joy is wrapped up in glorifying God. That when you glorify God by obeying Him, that is when you find your true joy. In fact, most, most Christians, from what I can observe, actually will reject their faith because they miss this point. They reject their faith because they think that my happiness can't be found in glorifying God. Therefore... I no longer want to live for Him. And they reject Christ because of it. This morning, our first passage we're going to look at is Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses 7 and 8. And so go ahead and turn your Bibles to Philippians 3 if you have your Bibles with you. And Paul wrote the book of Philippians, and in verse 7 of Philippians 3, he says this, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish. That's like a British word, isn't it? Rubbish. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. All right? We'd like to mix into discussion with our, our teaching time. So your first question at your table to discuss is this. How would you restate the main point of these verses in your own words? Just look at it. Digest it. Look at it. Think about it. Uh, tell your table, how would you restate the main point of those verses in your own words? Go ahead and discuss. Okay, somebody help me out. What was Paul? Who was Paul before he became a Christian? Saul. He had a different name. What else did he do? What was he known for? Persecuting people. Possibly putting Christians to death. What was his religious affiliation? He was a Pharisee, which is like a, a high religious group within, within Jewish, the Jewish religion. So, up to that point, Paul was trying to earn a relationship with God through doing the works of the law. He was trying to earn his righteousness through doing the works of the law. But after coming to know Christ, after he had the Damascus Road experience where God just changed him instantly, Paul looked at all of his accomplishments up to that point and called them rubbish, called them trash. Now, you've got to know what this word rubbish means. There's a couple of ways to interpret this word when you look at the original language. And one of those ways is, is to look at it like food scraps. So when you had dinner this past weekend, you take the to-go box home, you put it in the trash because you never eat it anyway. And uh, it sits there for a few days and it starts to stink, it starts to smell. 
how many of you guys have taken the trash out when it just reeked to high? Like you almost gagged. You're walking out of the house like this because it's rotten, nasty food, okay? And so you can imagine that in a place like in Pulse Culture, when they don't have the trash man to come pick up their, their, their nasty food, that it might sit there for a while, and there's like this heap of, of scraps. There's this heap of just nastiness, okay? This big pile of nastiness, rotten nastiness, is what Paul is comparing his good works to. Do you get this? He is saying, everything I try to do as a, as a person that tries to please God apart from Christ is a big pile of, of food scraps. Now, there's another way to look at this word. And um, the other interpretation for this word is basically really simple. Dog poo. I'm actually serious. Another word for, another word for this is dog poo. Okay? And... Uh, and so, um, this, this past week, uh, my dog was sort of scratching at the door, I let her out in the front lawn, and, and, and she, she went in the front lawn, okay? And uh, after a few days, um, I started thinking about this verse, and I was like, you know, it would be really good to have a visual uh, for, for this, this passage. And so, I went out there, and I, I sort of scooped it up, not with my hands, but um, and, and put it into a bag, and... Uh, just to make sure you have like a visual of what we're talking about this morning. And so um, I've got it right here in this, this bag. You, it's double bag. Don't worry. You can't smell it. Um, but, but yes, so, so, so my dog, the stuff that my dog does on the front lawn, Paul is comparing his works before Christ to dog poo. Now, if you're like me, that sounds offensive. But you have to understand where Paul comes from. He comes from a place of trying to earn his salvation by doing the works of the law. Then when he comes into Christ and realizes what grace means, realizes that he can't do anything in his own strength. He can't do anything to earn his salvation before God. He realizes that all of his works apart from Christ is this. Dog poo. That means everything. Everything. Okay? And so, when you think about the things that you normally do, uh, to try to earn favor with God, wherever they might be, you, you think about this verse. And then Paul compares these things to dog poo. Okay? Okay, you guys look alive over here. No, it's not really dog poo. I was joking. You can open it up. There's candy inside. Yes. You didn't want to bring dog poo to church. Are you serious, people? Come on. Let that be a gift for you. Hey, that landed right in that pan. That was a good shot, by the way. Um, so enjoy. Enjoy. Uh, it is chocolate, though, so it's, it's close. Uh, look at Galatians chapter 6, our next passage. Galatians 6. Where Paul says, Paul says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Your next question. What do you think Paul means by the statement, boast in the cross? And why is this a weird statement? Is it a weird statement? Go ahead and discuss at your tables.
Okay, give me some feedback. Is this a weird statement? Is this a weird statement to you? No. Why is it not weird? I just implied it was weird. It's not weird. What, what is the cross? Not your salvation through Christ, but what is the cross back in that day? Okay, it's a torture device. Alright? It was the way in which someone's put to death a capital crime. They're put to death. It'd be like the electric chair or lethal injection. This was how people died. They're put to death. And so is it, is it weird to say boast in the electric chair, boast in the lethal injection table? Is, is that a weird statement to make? What, what Paul is trying to communicate here is something I think is pretty profound. You've got to understand the word boast, because this word boast is not interpreted the same way that you and I might talk about it. You and I might talk about boast like to brag about something or to showboat about something. But the way that Paul is using the word boast is a little bit different. When Paul says this word, he means to rejoice in. I, I rejoice in the cross. I find my joy in the cross. And so Paul is saying, may I never find joy apart from the cross. Did, did you get that? Listen to this. The cross should be our only source of joy. And, and that's still a weird statement when you think about it, because it was such a brutal, horrifying, terrible act. Most of us just thank Jesus for doing it, and we try not to look at, at movies like The Passion because it's too bloody for us. It's too much for us. But he's saying the cross, this, this bloody, rugged, terrible cross, should be our source of our, the only source of our joy. And you might say, okay, wait a second. I'm really glad that Jesus died for me on the cross. But, but come on, like seriously, our, our only source of joy, the, the cross should be our only source of of joy? I mean, there are many things that bring you joy, right? There are many things that bring you happiness in life that you can probably think of right now that don't pertain at all to the cross. I'm sure of it. But, but here's what this means. Here's what Paul is saying. He is saying that if you and I deserve nothing but judgment and condemnation because of our sin, then anything good that happens to you, any kind of pleasure, any kind of enjoyment out of life must be an act of God's grace. It must be a gift that God gives you. If you and I deserve nothing but condemnation and, and judgment and hardship because of our sin, then anything that good that happens to you must be an act of God's grace. It, it must be a gift to you. We also know that those Christians that that the culmination of that grace, the culmination of that gift was at the cross. That's where that happened. And so everything else that happens that's a gift to you, a, a, an act of grace from God, flows from the cross. So that means that when you're, you're if you're at the lake day yesterday, when you're being pulled around on a boat yesterday... And, and bouncing along the waves and having a good time and laughing and just enjoying yourself and then wiping out. That, uh, that when you did that yesterday, that that is an act of grace. God gave you that as a gift. God gives you 
pleasure. He gives you fun as a gift. He doesn't owe that to you. He gives it to you. That means whenever you take a scoop of ice cream and put it into a dish and pour chocolate sauce on top of it and you put whipped cream and a cherry and whatever else you may like on top of that, that deal, then when you bite into that and you enjoy that, that that's a gift. God does not owe you that. I mean, can you imagine a world where God didn't give us taste buds? Like you just ate and that was just what you did just to survive. But there was no enjoyment. There was no pleasure involved with that. I mean, life would, life would stink, right? It would be horrible. But everything that you have that you enjoy in life is a gift from God. It's an act of His grace. And we know that the cross was His ultimate act of grace. So everything that flows from that, that we experience today, comes from that place. It comes from this ultimate act of grace, which happened at the cross. Paul is saying that, that every good thing was purchased for you by Christ's blood. Not just your salvation, but everything. You see, it's funny. People always question God about suffering. People always, you guys have questions like, why do bad things happen to good people? But no one ever asked the question, why do good things happen to bad people? No, no one ever asked the question, what's up with all this pleasure? Like, why is, this, why is there all this enjoyment in life, Right? We're always asking God, why is there suffering? Why is there pain? When, when most of the time, we're enjoying ourselves. Yeah, the suffering and pain comes, but most of the time, we're enjoying things all the time. And those things are gifts from God to us. God doesn't owe us. And so when you, when you view your entire life through the lens of the cross, it changes how you see pleasure. It changes how you see happiness. It changes how you see joy. But it also changes how you see suffering in your life. Uh, this past Wednesday after church, I walked out to the parking lot, and uh, one of our interns, and actually two of our interns, was on the, were on the curb there, sitting there. And Clayton, one of our interns, was his car was dead in the parking lot. I guess the battery was out, and uh, and so I was the last one to leave. So I walked out and said, "Hey, man, is your car your car dead?" And he's like, "Yeah." My dad's coming to help me out with it. I was like, well, see you later. I'm going home. Have a great night. So I pull out of the parking lot, and I go run an errand for my wife down at Walgreens. And I get to the Walgreens parking lot, get the stuff, come back into the car, turn the key, and I hear this clicking sound. I'm like, oh, great. I turn it again, and I hear this clicking sound. And so here I am in the same boat that Clayton was just in. My, my car battery is also dead after I was making fun of him for his battery dying. And, uh, and so I think Clayton actually made a comment to Heather as I heard as I'm walking out. He's like, his car is probably going to break down too before that happened. And so um, did Clayton have a voodoo doll that night just wondering, Heather, was he sticking a voodoo doll and like said, you know, just Dave, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come after Dave. Uh, but anyway, the... My car battery dies, and I'm stuck there. So they have to now come pick me up in Heather's car to take me home, and I got it sorted out the next morning. But those kinds of inconveniences in our lives seem simple on the surface. But when you're in the moment, you're just like, oh, seriously. It's like 11 o'clock at night. Are you serious? A dead battery. My wife's stuck at home. She can't leave the house. She's stuck at home with my son. And I have no way to get home. These little bits of suffering, right? And you guys can think of bigger things than that, but whenever we have to suffer under any circumstances, most of us are asking the question, why? 
But when you look at the, your entire life through the lens of the cross, it changes how you see suffering. It, suffering now becomes about, okay, well, let's, th- let's praise God that it wasn't worse than a dead battery. Let, let's praise God that it wasn't something else. I mean, for all I know, I could have gotten in a car wreck and been killed that night. Who knows? Let, let's praise God that in the midst of suffering, it wasn't worse than it, than it was. Because it's His grace. It's His grace. And so when you see your entire life through the lens of the cross, it, it then leads to humility. When, when you see God as not owing you anything, it leads to a humble obedience before God. Do you guys know that every religion except Christianity promotes pride? Every religion except Christianity promotes pride. And here's why. Because every religion except for Christianity is about earning their way with the supernatural. It's about earning, working, working hard, trying to get approved of by whatever God that they worship. And when you do, who do you have to thank? Yourself. You pat yourself on the back and you you move on and you say, Hi, I'm better than you because look what I did with my faith. Every religion except Christianity promotes pride. When you understand Christ and the cross, it promotes humility. Because even when you do a good work, you recognize it's not me doing it. It's it's Christ in me. It's not me. We, We can't compare ourselves to other Christians because we're all on the same page with grace. Someone said that the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. That all of us come to Christ in the same state. Even the person who's never partied, never done drugs, never done anything bad, so to speak, in society's eyes, even that person, if they're coming to Christ with their own righteousness, that person is just as lost as the next guy. Grace evens everything out. And so as Christians, whenever you and I have a success spiritually, we have some, someone now to thank rather than become prideful. You see, Christianity is the only religion where you get to boast in something besides yourself. You get to boast in Christ. You get to boast in the cross. You get to take your joy in the cross. And so when you take stock of your life, what thoughts well up inside of you? When you look at your life, what sort of thoughts do you feel? Is it, look how great I am, or is it, Look how great God is. Is it, look at me, look at what I've accomplished, or is it, look at what God's accomplished in my life. I'm just a broken sinner, and God has done so much in my life. You see, the, the world says that you and I should, should take credit for our good, take credit for our own good, but blame evil on our circumstances. But, but the Bible says that we should take responsibility for our evil, and give glory to God for our good. It's reverse. So when you and I do anything good, anything good as a Christian, it's the cross. It's the cross working through you. It's the power of the gospel working through you. You can't take credit for that. There's a verse in Jeremiah 9.23 that says, This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength. Or the rich man boasts of his riches. But let him who boasts, boast about this. That he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. 
For in these I delight, declares the Lord. You see, when, when you boast in anything besides the cross, when you boast in anything besides knowing God, you end up wasting your life. If you're someone who allows your successes to be a source of pride for you, you waste your life. If you live your life without magnifying the cross and rejoicing in the cross, and letting that be what sustains you, letting that be the source of joy for you, then you waste your life. Even if you're living your life as, quote, a good Christian should, doing all the rules, following all the behavior, behavioral codes that you think Christianity is about, if you do all those things and you don't do them in the power of Christ on the cross, you're wasting your life. You're letting your life magnify yourself and how successful you can be as a Christian and not letting it magnify the cross and what Christ accomplished for you already on that cross. John Piper also said this quote. He said, You don't have to know a lot of things for your life to make a lasting difference in the world. But you do have to know the few great things that matter. Perhaps just one. And then be willing to live for them and die for them. And I want you guys to to close out with this discussion question at your tables. Then you're going to pray at your tables as well. Uh, What things in life are you tempted to value more than knowing Christ? Go ahead and discuss that. Whenever you're finished discussing, just someone go ahead and close in prayer, and then you'll be dismissed.